0: Hey, homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turned marketer, turned interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is, you guys are coming with me. <laughs> All right guys, I'm here today doing my second solo podcast episode. I'm pretty pumped because today I'm going to share with you my top 10 productivity hacks. And I think it's going to be a good one because let me tell you guys, I have been fighting and, and working on productivity for years. Let's, let's be real. I'm, I'm very much somebody who struggles with procrastination Uh, I can get overwhelmed easily, it can often manifest into anxiety and so uh, really figuring out productivity um, has been really, really important to me and if I'm being real, there's probably way more things out there that you could be doing aside from these 10 but these were the top 10 things that really stuck out to me that I really feel have made a huge difference in my life and I'm going to share them with you and I hope that they will be of help to you. So, let's just get right into it cuz I feel like this might be a long episode. All right, guys. So, we're going to start with productivity hack number 1, and it is my Sunday planning. And here's the deal. Sunday planning has now become an absolute non-negotiable, a non-negotiable in my life. It's it's I just know that if I don't do my Sunday planning, then my week is basically a disaster. So how do I do this? Uh, Well, first, I created a checklist of all the things that need to happen in order for me to plan my week. And I'm gonna share with you very quickly, so I'm gonna speed through it and maybe elaborate on a few key points. Uh, But basically, I use Asana to keep track of this planning checklist, which happens to be productivity hack number six. So don't worry, I'm going to tell you exactly how I use a sauna in order to help my productivity. But uh, so what happens for me is basically every single Sunday, I block in my calendar, which is productivity hack number two, calendar blocking, which I'm going to talk about. But uh, I basically put it in a recurring calendar task. uh, And I block out literally two hours. And that might probably be a bit extreme for some, but... I got a whole process going. So you do not have to be as elaborate as I am. Uh, But I just kind of make it my thing. I pour myself my Sunday for Caesar Sundays. I drink my Caesar. I sit in my reading nook in the corner of my main floor on my big comfy red chair. And I just get to planning. So for me, uh, what I did was, again, I made a list of the things that I knew I should do on the weekly. So I'm going to read them to you. And they're not in any specific order per se, but they do include some uh, mostly business, but also some uh, personal tasks that need to happen. I also have a monthly checklist of things that need to happen, which I roll into my Sunday planning when I need to. So the first thing I do is I basically open up my calendar. So I'm on a Mac. So for me, it's my iCal. For you, it might be your Google calendar but I love my iCal, it's perfect. And I just check my weekly appointments. And normally what that means is anything in my calendar that is basically scheduled in a call or an in-person meeting with somebody else. Normally what that means is a discovery call with a client or a consultation with a client. And then with the odd, uh, maybe client home visit that's already been booked, or maybe I'm meeting with a trade or um, you know a showroom or something of that nature. Uh, and then the next thing I do, I schedule my workouts, I schedule, um, I schedule everything, guys. And again, I'm going to talk to you about my calendar blocking after I review this, so I won't get to, into too much details. But this is just kind of a reminder that, hey, I need to schedule my workouts in. I also reveal, review my bills that are due. So whether it's personal or uh, business related, what I've done is added into my calendar Um, all of the bills that are due and um, then I don't ever have to worry about messing up and screwing up and and having a late payment which would kind of full disclosure become problematic. Uh, So that's something that I just check and I make sure that all the accounts are ready to accept any payments and if a credit card needs money added to it I make sure to do that. I review last week's to-do list so what I do is when I'm reviewing all of my tasks that I need to do for the week, I put them into a Google, uh, Google Drive uh, file or a Word file, whatever you want to call it. And I just kind of have a format for myself. And so while I do calendar blocking, I basically put all my tasks onto a digital kind of paper, aka Google Drive, and then I print it. And that just sits right beside me. And what I do is anything that happens throughout the entire week, that needs to be done or I take notes, it all gets put on this one piece of paper. So it's always in one place. And that's the piece of paper that I pull out and review come next week's planning. So on Sunday, I pull out last week's piece of paper that had a list of all of the things I need to do by client, then by goal. So goal one, higher paying clients, what I need to do for that, improving my processes, which is a real big one for me right now. Anytime something comes up that falls into any of these categories, I just write it. Anytime I finish something, I scratch it off. Then I open up that same file, I change the date at the top, and then I update that file accordingly. Then I'm going to tell you uh, how I calendar block using that uh, one page task list. Again, guys, this is a little bit, uh, probably a little more convoluted than anybody needs it to be. So you can really undersimplify this if you want, because I've gone a little bit crazy and possibly a little overboard. The next thing I do is I review my Asana, which is a project management tool for any tasks based on client that I need to do. I'm going to elaborate on this later. So I'm not going to talk too much about that right now. I review my email every single Sunday, I really try to get my email down to inbox zero. And basically what that means is that there's no emails in your inbox or very minimal, because I only keep in my inbox emails that need to be dealt with. So what I do is I review my email I make sure that anything that needs to be actioned is added to my to do list, or I deal with it and get it out of my inbox and move it totally out of there. Um, I try to remind myself to review my business and personal goals so I've kind of set some goals and we're not going to talk about that today because we got enough to talk about but you should try to remind yourself and this is again it's no big deal it's just don't forget to check your business and personal goals so that all the stuff you're working on actually aligns with what you're doing because let's be real if we're going to be productive we need to know that we can't do it all and you have to get really laser focused Uh, I review my personal tasks due. So things like paying bills. Um, I have uh, certain things like, again, I talked about working out, things of that nature. I review birthdays. So personal people in my life's birthdays, So I make sure not to forget those birthdays when they come around. Client birthdays are things that I also plan for, but I do that a month at a time. Um, And the way I do that is I use a tool that allows me to schedule emails on a certain day. So at the beginning of the month, I, uh, as part of my monthly checklist, I schedule client birthdays for that month. So what that looks like is I have a list of client birthdays for one month. And I'm going to basically schedule each and every one of those, nothing overcomplicated, just happy birthday, I hope you're having a great day, and let me know if you need anything kind of thing. And it will often trigger people to reach out. I strategically leave any clients that I never want to work again uh, out of my list, or people I just know that even though they were great clients, I just know maybe budget-wise, because I worked with them so early on, they're probably not... um, Somebody I want to trigger into wanting to work with me. So I'm, I'm a bit choosy about who the, who received those birthday emails. But I do make sure to do that and clients freaking love it. Um, if I've if I have discovery calls booked for the week, I try to just prep and get ready for that uh, early on, which really just means getting together all of the files for where I'm going to actually take notes when I talk with them, things of that nature. I'm just making a note to remind myself for number six, when I talk to you about my number six productivity hack, um, I try to on a weekly, uh, weekly basis, update my mail, uh, my mail, uh, marketing tools. So for me, it's get response. And basically what that means is any leads I got from the week before, if they opted in, uh, when they filled out my form, I just need to make sure I add it because the way it's set up, it's unfortunately not automated at this point. I will review my blockouts for Visita. So I assess my calendar, uh, for the week. And if there's any days that discovered calls shouldn't be booked, I make sure that they're blocked out. I make sure that there's no, even though there's automation happening already with Visita knowing when to not book certain things based on, uh, tasks in my calendar, I still know that sometimes I need to account for additional time or I just don't want to accept. I want to have a full day where I'm not distracted. So I just take care of that. I also review my links for VC to make sure everything's working as I would expect it. Um, And then I, for me, I like to every, every two weeks, I have a call with uh, a FaceTime call with my niece and nephew because they live uh, two hours away. So that's just one of those things I remind myself because if I'm being honest, I would forget sadly, if it wasn't in my to do's. And that's basically what it's all about. Uh, I, I literally make checklists for everything. I assume I will not remember anything because there's too much going on in my brain. And then I remind myself to plan my scary thing for the week. I'm not the greatest at this yet. But every week I try to make sure I'm at least doing one thing that's pushing me outside of my comfort zone. So that's kind of how I plan my week every single Sunday, and it allows me never to forget anything that needs to be done. And the end result, so kind of the output of me doing that, is my one pager, which includes all of my tasks for the week. And what I'm going to do, guys, is show you an example of what that looks like um, on my show notes. So again, you're just going to go to businesshomies.com slash 012 for episode 12, But basically, I'm going to show you what mine looks like. This is not absolutely necessary, but this is what I do. And again, there's a phase two to this, which is productivity hack number two, calendar blocking. So basically, after I put together my my entire task list, the truth is there's no way, most of the time, there's no way I can get all of that done in, in my week. So, because you've probably already got appointments booked, you've already got um, you know you know things are going to take more than the allowable hours that you have in your day. You got to eat lunch. You got to spend time with your loved ones. So, here's what I have done, and this is basically you want to create buckets on your calendar to time block into. So, early on when I was doing calendar blocking, I overcomplicated my little buckets. Uh, and I've really tried to simplify my buckets so that I'm not, it's not overcomplicating it. So what I have now is a bucket, and by bucket I mean it's its own calendar. I can uncheck it to hide it. I can, when it's checked, I see it in relation to everything else. And I also add a special color so that I know immediately when I glance at my calendar what type of appointment is in my calendar. So the first is appointments. Appointments for me represents anything that is a scheduled time with another individual or where I'm mostly out of the office and maybe I'm shopping for a client. So it basically means no other uh, appointment, aka discovery call or consultation can be booked at that time. So for me, it's, it's mostly discovery calls, consultations, home visits, presentations, or appointments where I am going to a framer, a local framer, in order to select frames for a client, my podcast calls, things of that nature. The next, the next bucket I have or calendar is tasks. And I just put anything into this category that is not an appointment, or a client project, which is another bucket that I have. So I've got appointments, tasks, content, Truth be told, I'm not sure I want to keep content as its own thing, but it has allowed me to be able to quickly see when I last sent out an email newsletter so I can know like, hey, I need to send that out. So content in this case really means when did I post a blog post, when did an email go out, things of that nature. Client projects completed, which is my favorite. So completed is green. And basically anything that I complete from another bucket gets moved into the completed. So it turns green on my calendar and that's the most glorious feeling of all. And the end goal is to have as much green on my week as possible. Then I have a bucket for bills, which like I said earlier, I actually have gone into my calendar for the entire year and I have input when my mortgage is due, when my car and house insurance is due, anything relating to business expenses. And the way I kind of differentiate it is I do mbd dash whatever the expenses, MBD for Michelle Bonnet design, whatever the expenses. And what I what I'll actually do too, is periodically when I'm checking my account to make sure it went through. So for me, I just place that in the all day category. So it falls at the top of my calendar, and it isn't at a specific time in my calendar blocking. So it kind of just shows up at the very top. And again, I'm going to do the same thing, I'm going to take a screenshot of my calendar blocking and show you what my week sometimes can look like. And then I've got a new bucket for admin work. And I thought, I don't know if I'm gonna use this, but I thought maybe I might start plopping things that need to be done into that uh, calendar for an admin, which I have starting in a couple of weeks. Um, another calendar I have in a separate section is Dave. <laughs> so I, I am the one who tracks all of the things that we're up to in our lives. So if Dave has something going on in his life, he just tells me and I add it to his calendar so I know when he's around and when he's not around and also anything that we're doing together so that he's aware. So basically guys, that's calendar blocking. It's legitimately, okay, the biggest thing about calendar blocking that is so key, so key, is that once you pull, so this is what I do, once I pull my list of everything that I need to do, I take, I I go through and I prioritize the list. And then I move it over to my calendar. So you're going to then determine, okay, if I have a task for a client, so let's say I'm putting together a proposal for a client. For me, I know a proposal annoyingly might take me one to two hours. So I'm going to block Susanna proposal one to two hours in my calendar. And what's great is then you can just move things around as you see fit. I try to kind of get everything that I know I need to do in the week on my calendar. And then I play around and make sure the priorities are taken care of. And obviously, guys, you got to make sure that you're keeping some empty spaces on your calendar because shit happens and you need to either like you got distracted by something. Maybe someone uh, called you you didn't plan on and you talk to them and, and you just need to be able to be kind of fluid and give yourself time to kind of breathe in between. So I go through and I put everything that's a priority on my calendar within reason. And again, that's the key within reason. Otherwise, you're just going to be upset when you don't get through everything and you're going to be disappointed in yourself. I'm not going to lie. Today's week, today's uh, time blocking has not gone well. I was on vac- I was away for the long weekend and today has been a very just tired, unmotivated type day. So it's, it's a little rough. Um, but anyways, once you kind of do that, you can see what you can realistically get done. And this is a very eye-opening experience, let me tell you. And you can also just get really realistic about the things you're gonna get done in your week without being upset at the end of the week when you don't need it because you've been very, very realistic on your calendar. And for me, what happens too is sometimes I get distracted in the day, but my goal is like if I have to do work a little later to at least accomplish everything I had on my calendar, I really do try to do that if I can. Uh, But the great thing is too, if you don't get something done and you have to move it around, you can easily drag it to the next day. Or if you decide it's not for this week, cut and paste it into the next week and you're good to go. Um, but then what you can also do is at the end of the week, you have a really good indication of what you have worked on all week. And it just feels real good. All right, guys. So that was number two, calendar blocking. Uh, all right, productivity hack number three. And I started this bad boy. I want to say four weeks ago. Yes, four weeks ago, I started getting up. So realistically, I did not need to get up and I don't really need to get up before seven. So the thing with me is even though I work for myself, I still want to be at my desk and actively working by 9am. And, uh, what I started and I used to get up at seven, call it like a month ago about, uh, I, I was listening to, um, I can't remember her name right now, so it's irrelevant, but I was listening to a productivity hack video and she talked about, uh, getting up really early, uh, and basically carving out an hour of DND time. So do not disturb time. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not at a a 5am start just yet, but why not just get up at six every morning? Uh, she also talks about starting her day with lemon water. So I've rolled that into my morning. It's just a really nice way to start the day. So at 6am, I in my calendar, I block lemon water, then I block my hour. And the key with this hour, number one, it's great because nobody else in the world is up yet. Nobody's emailing you you go to if you're like me, your partner is not even awake yet. So you're literally the only one in theory in your world doing work. So you are not going to be distracted by anything. And I think the key to this one hour before anything else starts is to take something from your task list that you've been procrastinating on, but has a high impact to your business. Uh, for me, I'll give you some examples of what that could look like. For me, it could be building out a proposal, a fee proposal for a client uh, after the consultation for a full project. I find those a bit exhausting, although I'm going to talk to you about how that's somewhat changed for me. It's getting a little better, and I'll tell you why. Um, Starting a project. So I'm really good at procrastinating client projects, uh, but now my goal is as soon as I sign that contract and we've done the kickoff, things need to start happening immediately. So if you schedule those first thing and you just tell yourself it's a non-negotiable, you must do this task, then you start it. And what's really good about that is come your 9 a.m. start time, you've just kind of gotten into it. And now you're all about that task and you want to keep going and you want to finish or in an ideal world, that's what's happened anyway. But if not, you still got a good hour of it done. And, and that's great. So, so basically, uh, the waking up early. And for me, it's literally just an hour earlier and it's made a huge difference because now I, after my hour, I do my workout and I just do 15 minute workouts guys uh, 12 minutes, if I'm being honest, it's called bodyrock.tv. I pay $9 a month, I get access to a bunch of workouts, they are 15 like, again, sorry, I keep saying 15 12 minute long workouts, which are somewhat high intensity. And I just try to do that Monday to Friday, I don't always get it in there. But it's really hard to not be able to get a 12 minute workout in and not feel completely like, adverse to doing that. So I would roll that in to my hack as well. Don't assume that in order to be working out, it has to be this crazy, drawn out, hour long thing because it doesn't. All right, peeps, productivity, ha- productivity hack number four is scheduling my social media into recur post. Now, I'm going to try to do my best to explain why I think recur post is better than your Hootsuite or anything similar to Hootsuite. Number, well, first of all, number one, if you're a solo like me, but you're, you're constantly like, Ooh, the algorithm for Facebook and the algorithm for this and blah, 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 blah. And you can't figure out how to beat the algorithm and you're not getting enough engagement. Here's what I recommend. Stop giving a shit until you're ready to, uh, just take the time it takes in order to do that. And feel like you're getting a return that's worthwhile to do that. Or you're willing to hire somebody who can really help you uh, crack the code and make Facebook engagement the number one priority. But I've basically decided to change my mentality surrounding Facebook engagement on any social media. And maybe it's not the right approach, but in my opinion, it is the right approach because if you're not ready to hire people to do certain tasks, you have to get realistic about what you can do and what you can accomplish. And it's a it's the whole idea of I need to select some key things that I need to work on, and I need to do those really well and not worry about the rest. And when you and when you do that, you're gonna see growth because you're doing some key things really well. And you're going to see some growth and then you can maybe improve the other things by either throwing money against it, aka additional support in the form of a team member or whatever, what have you. So for me, I know that they say you're not supposed to schedule things into Facebook because it doesn't like that for engagement and it's not great for the algorithm. And to that I say, I don't give a flying F because it's not worth my time and the returns not there would it be great if i could get all the reach in the world heck yeah maybe i should do that with more facebook lives but to me the return of that effort needing to do that to crack the code isn't worth it instead i can keep working on networking trying to figure out ways to bump shoulders with people who have money or whatever that looks like for me because It's not a huge numbers game for me. As a solo, you only need a few key clients in order to reach your goals. Therefore, max reach and having max numbers on social media is just not going to help me reach my goals. And truth be told, it's not a good effort for me, even if I could do that, uh, because I should be focusing on my clients and maybe, uh, engaging with them, making sure that they're getting the right, uh, the right um, project three, you know, whatever, working on my processes, so on and so forth. So yeah, that being said, I don't give a shit that if I schedule posts, uh, it doesn't give me the same reach. My goal with my Facebook is that if someone goes to find me there, that I look like an active business. They can see what my aesthetic is. They can learn a little bit more about me. So it's, it's about, you know, entertaining, educating, and inspiring anybody who does show up there. But I don't really care about getting more people there through my efforts. Um, so that being said, I use Recur Post, And I used to use Hootsuite. Now, here's the, key different, the the key difference between the two. Or if you're scheduling in Facebook itself which I'm going to go ahead and assume is better for engagement if you're scheduling within Facebook itself. But there's a key difference as far as productivity is concerned. Scheduling in Facebook uh, or scheduling in an outside party like Hootsuite, you have to set a date, a specific date and time for every single post. That's it. That's a lot of work. So if if I have to every single week, select a date and uh, time for every single post. That's time that I have to be doing consistently in order to ensure something's going on my Facebook. Um, I only focus on Instagram and Facebook for the record and I do post to Instagram and I let it post to my Facebook also. Again, people say it's a no, no, but I do, like I said, I don't give a shit. I do it anyway. Um, for the reasons uh, I explained earlier, it's it's all about understanding what your goals are with every platform and making sure that everything you're doing is helping you reach your main goals. And and when it doesn't, and when effort is exerted and not do that, then you need to figure out a better way. So that's what I did. Okay. So the main difference with recur posts, and I hope I can articulate this in a way that comes across. So, Hootsuite or scheduling in Facebook, you have to take a post, say, I want to schedule this on September 7th at 2 p.m. And you have to do that for every post thereafter. Recur post, I create a category. For me, I create a category called blogs, my blogs. And every time I have a blog post, I add another one of my blogs into the category. Then what you do is you look at your calendar within RecurPost and you say every Monday I want you to post one of my blog posts and then you say what every Monday at 9am. So the result there is that every single Monday at 9am it's going to post one of my blog posts from the category blog posts. I do it once and if I didn't do it again for three months I would still have my blog post posting every single Monday at 9am. The only difference is it's probably if I don't do anything for three months, it's just going to keep regurgitating the same blog, few blog blog posts that are in there. But the key here for us to remember is that we can repeat content. And in fact, we should repeat content because people are not hanging out in our Facebooks waiting for us to post. Even though we think it's repetitive and that people are getting tired of it. The truth is we're just the only ones getting tired of it. So you need to post stuff over and over again because it's marketing 101. People need to see things more than once in order for it to register, in order for them to take action anyway. But the, the great thing is you could do this literally once a month. And my goal is once a month to add to each of my categories. And you know, I don't always do it, is the truth, I'm actually logging in right now, because what I want to be able to do for you guys is tell you what my content um, library looks like, so that you can kind of mimic this. So here's what I've done. I have my blog posts as one category, and there's 48 posts in there. So what's great about this is as you start to grow more blog posts, so let's say I get to 100 blog posts, well, then if you do some math, which I'm not going to do right now because math is not my strong suit, the more posts you have, the more days you might decide to put that on in your, in your week. So if you only have 10 blog posts, probably best just to have it scheduled into your week once a week at a certain time. I now have 48 blog posts and I know I need to add more of my current blog posts into this category, which means now I might want to add a blog post from this category onto my social media calendar on Monday, but maybe also on Thursday at 6pm. And now I have content automatically going onto my Facebook, without me having to manually schedule it by day. It's literally just I did it once. I said every every Monday of the week do this from this category done. And then you just update your categories as you see fit or as you have more content. I also have a category for my portfolio and that's why, and it only has 18 posts because I haven't added to it, but I'm noticing now that it's being repeated often and it's kind of embarrassing sometimes, but this is where every time you get a new photo shoot done for your work, you add it to your portfolio category and now, and then you set your portfolio category to go to be posted on whatever social media channels that you connect this to You get so many for free, I can't remember how many. I have mine just to Facebook because it's the only one that I really care about. Um, but then you have now on Monday my blog posts that are being automated. I I did it once and now it's just happening. That and it's pulling from my category. Maybe on Tuesdays I do my portfolio. I also have a category for quotes. I have a category for things that I've been featured in. So when I was featured in design uh, sponge, I have that separated as a feature. And when it's an old blog post, I started out by saying from the archives, and I totally stole that from like, uh, some design place that I follow on Facebook. But then that way, it's very clear, like, hey, this is an old post, but I'm, it's popping up again. And honestly, guys, if you guys go to house and home, you, you'll notice that they post the same stuff over and over and over again. And it's because people are being inundated with content and you cannot assume that they're seeing anything the first time that you post it. So you want to make the most of this content that you're spending a lot of money or sorry, spending a lot of time on. If I If I create a blog, I want that blog to work for me every single month and not just be kind of a one time deal and then nobody ever sees it again. So this is how you can really make your blog work for you. And again, you can connect it to other social media channels, you can connect it to your Facebook group if you have one, uh, varying things like that. So that's just a quick the quick way I've set it up. And to be honest, I've done I literally aside from posting a blog post immediately, which I will do. Once I post once I actually create a blog post, I post it on I have a list checklist, by the way, for for that, of what I need to do every time I create a blog, but I do manually post it to Facebook. But then in theory, I'm supposed to add it to recur post, but I haven't done it in months, but it doesn't matter. My Facebook is still getting content that's relevant to me. And I do need to just go in there and add some more content. And I'm going to get my assistant to do that uh, once she starts. So yeah, that's the key difference between Hootsuite and recur post. And I hope that I made sense, the, the subtle difference and how much little how much less you need to be involved in it for it to be actually automated. And again, I know it's not perfect for engagement, but I just don't care because I I'm a solo and I can't do it all, so I'm just going to do everything I can to do some select things really well. Okay, guys, I'm very excited about number 5. This is a new one in my life, but mother of sweet baby Jesus, it might be one of the best ones so far. And I actually reached out to them and asked if they wanted to be on my podcast to talk about this software, which is called Dubsado. I've talked about it in the Facebook group a little bit. And I don't want to get too overly detailed about what it does. But I want to make sure that you know, the sheer power that this tool is. So Soto, in my words, I don't know if this is how they would describe it, but in my in, like to me, what it does is it automates client communications funnels, um, and really makes proposals for me service proposals, not furniture proposals. So that's a key difference. Uh, like fee service fee design fee proposals, so easy. So I'm going to tell you now how that works. So number one, there's two types of of funnels, two overarching types of funnels that happen in this software. Number one is your leads. Number two is your client. So for me, a lead goes through a series of um, buckets until they become a client. So this is how I've set it up. Basically, you might show up as a general inquiry before you're a legit lead. And a general inquiry, it really just depends on how you filled out my form on my website. But a general inquiry might just be a little bit like loosey-goosey and it might not even be about my services. So I have that in here. But then you become a, uh, you're a lead. So a lead could be somebody who hasn't scheduled a discovery call kit, but are definitely interested in my services. So what I've done is I've actually removed from my website the ability to schedule a discovery call. I'm testing this out for a little bit since I got Dub Soto to see how it would work. So what, client, what a person would do now, they go on my website, they're going to go to um, contact, the contact form. And hopefully, I don't know if you can hear me clicking, but as I talk, I want to make sure that I'm referencing these things correctly. So on my website, I got like I said, I got rid of the ability to schedule an appointment immediately. Now what a client will do or a lead will do is go to get started, which is the very last tab in my menu, and they can either click on design services or general inquiries. So they get started design services or general inquiries. So general inquiries, I've gotten a few since I've added this, but basically what happens is I create a lead capture form in Dubsado. You create it in Dubsado, you just, it's so easy For me, I created a general inquiry form, which basically just says, um, first name, last name, email, message, how did you hear about Michelle, and would you like to subscribe to our newsletter? So once they hit send, that person automatically gets added to Dubsado as a kind of like a client in my Dubsado program. If you click on design services, you have more information that you're going to input. So basically... It's things like first name, last name, email, project address, ideal start date. Have you worked with a designer? What's your budget? What's your ideal client relationship? Uh, tell us about your project, any inspiration stuff that you have. How did you hear about me? Would you like to subscribe? So then what happens is Dub has an automation. So it's called a workflow and this is where I need to, I've been doing a bit of work, but I need to flush it out further. But it's like every single lead goes through a a life cycle. And there's varying communication touch points throughout that cycle. So the first email that they get automatically generated is thank you so much for reaching out. Um, Here's some information I think is really valuable for you to read. And I have an FAQs. And it really kind of hammers home certain things like, you know, I'm a decorator, not a designer. If you're looking for somebody for like a gut reno and project management, I'm not your girl. Um, you know, this is what you can expect to pay or the minimum. This is what my process looks like, you know, did or did da. And so I want them to read that. And I want them to be really serious before I get on a call with them. I'm trying to minimize the discovery calls to people who are very serious. Then they have the option to schedule a discovery call there. Then what would happen is if they scheduled a discovery call, I would move them into the discovery call bucket, which would then uh, automate a workflow, whatever the workflow is for that. And for me, it's an email that says, hey, here's some things you should do before our call. Then after their, a discovery call, they would become a consultation. And when I move them into that bucket, it's going to trigger an email that says, hey, here's your consultation homework. And this is all generating on its own. I've created it in the back end. I've figured out every single touch point that's a repeatable touch point. So there is exceptions. Sometimes you have to manually send emails about specific things, which is totally fine. But this is basically automating the entire process of communication that is repeated in your process because ain't nobody got time for that, right? So we're trying to create productivity, which means if I'm not doing that, number one, A, I might forget to send it, which isn't a good look. Number two, um, it's the time for me to send it. So if it's all automated, and it's all a consistent process, it's great. Because every time a client works with you, the process is consistent. Every time a client refers you to someone else, the process is consistent. And you really do look like you got your shit together, which is really, really good. So basically, that lead, that lead uh, funnel goes lead, discovery call, consult, proposal, and then from there, they're either a dead lead or they've then become a client. But what happens is I create automated communication based on wherever they are in the funnel. Or I've created communication in the software that I can, I can manually send but the email, it's a canned email ready to go whenever it makes sense. If there are some things that uh, are um, sent frequently, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's for everybody. So, the second bucket of funnel of what uh, types of clients would be is my client. So, after you accepted my proposal, if you became a client, then you're going through my funnel of phase one, phase two. Phase three. And then after phase three, you're either going to become never again, which is never again do I ever want to work with this client, or completed, which means, you know, maybe I can email and reach out to these people again because I did enjoy working with them. And maybe there's additional work we can do together for additional scope. But what's great about this is what I'm working on right now is once you become a client, there's a series of things. I don't want to inundate clients with every bit of thing that they need to know early on. So once they accept the proposal, then I can say, okay, you're a client, you paid your first invoice, here is an email, which is a link to a subcontract, I'm calling it, but under the guise of just, uh, this is what to expect rules of engagement. In that document, they have to sign every single thing that's been listed. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what that looks like. Bear with me as I try to find this thing. It is the welcome. But it's, it's honestly, it's so helpful, guys. Like, I can't I can't even begin to tell you, okay, I'm having some serious issues right now because I feel like, no, I got it. Okay, so this is gonna be an automated email after you become a client and I move you into phase one. You're basically gonna get an email with a link to what what is looks like a bit of a contract. And it says things like general rules of thumb design takes time. So it takes three to four weeks to complete. Um, We can't speed it up. Be patient birthdays like certain key holidays are not going to speed up your project. And I can't take credit for this language. This has been shared stuff in various groups that I'm in that I've basically tweaked to make it my own. Uh, communication. I want you, I want to make sure that we are communicating in a timely manner, but for me, you can expect me to reply to something within 24 to 48 hours. Uh, don't tell you, you know, your friends are not your designer. I am, things are going to go wrong. Uh, people design things. They, they, you know, there's going to be some, you know, imperfections, uh, paint can be difficult payment. And then we talk about trade partners. Um, you know, just anything that I think is important to manage expectations and make sure clients know about without inundating them with every little thing early in the process. Sometimes you can just tell them that once they become a client. So the other thing it automates is in phase one, my style survey, which I would email them, um, and then in phase two, for me, there's a secondary uh, contract that needs to be signed once phase two hits. And that looks like basically, you know, your purchasing agreement, what you're, you're um, agreeing to if I'm purchasing for you, what does phase two look like? What is the scope that I'm going to take care of for you? Um, and any additional stuff. So I, I decided I would also create canned emails and expectations for things like if is being installed. So It's not necessarily automatically being sent out but dubsado has an email that talks about what to expect when wallpaper is being installed what to expect and how to prepare for painting because obviously that doesn't happen with every one of my projects but making sure i have all of these ready to go emails that all i need to do is go into this software and send it guys this tool is freaking amazing i can't even begin to tell you so those are the funnels that occur within Dubsado. And what's amazing is, if a lead never schedules a discovery call, I'm going to set it up so that a week from now, they're going to get another email that says something glorious that reminds them to book a discovery call. And it's just going to be like, it's kind of like an email um, marketing tool. But this one is very specific just to leads, as opposed to just people who have like maybe randomly signed up for your newsletter, for example. Um, Okay, the other things you can do within Dubsado is create all your contracts. So I've built out all my contracts. So I have my phase one contract, phase two contract, phase three contract, you can create sub agreements. So for me, a sub agreement I'm going to create is additional scope items that um, have been added into phase one after we've already started. Um, Some of the stuff I talked about with which is like your expectations uh, file questionnaire. So Now, instead of using the type form tool or what I was using before was Google Drive to create my questionnaire, I have it all within this tool because again, I know that if you book a consultation with me, you have to fill out the questionnaire for the consultation. And now that's just automated. So it's been built. The questionnaire is now built within this tool so that after they fill it out, all I have to do is go to the client's, um, kind of profile and click the questionnaire and I can see all of their answers within it. It's all kept within their profile. Uh, Like I said, proposals. So proposals is a big one for me. I now can create all of my proposals, again, not furnishings proposals, but service fee proposals within Dubsado and it has made it 1 million times easier for me, which makes it less of a chore for me to create a proposal. Um so I created basically a template and all of these are templates and you just use the template but you can easily change it based on you know weird scope things that could happen from client to client. And then like I said it also has a lead capture section so right now all I have is two lead capture forms, one for general inquiry, one for design services, but you can continue to build this out and you can also automate uh your lead funnel based on how they respond to certain things within a lead form. I just haven't done it yet because I haven't, I haven't really taken the time to get that deep yet. Uh, but it's an amazing tool, guys. It's an amazing tool. I will have a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, so I think for now, that's all I'm going to say about Sato, But guys, I would say that this is probably one of the best tools, the one I'm the most excited about uh, for productivity that I've had in a very long time. And I already know that it's going to really make my life easier. And in addition to that, make me look like so professional to clients and, and really look like I got my shit together. Oh, I should also add that it automates invoices. So if somebody accepts your proposal, you can have it automatically send them the contract. Uh, And it can, from there, once they sign the contract, you can have it automatically invoice them. Three steps done in one. So it's three things. So again, productivity is second to none on this tool. All right, productivity hack number seven. Guys, this is going to be a long one. Uh, Ivy. So I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about Ivy. Hopefully people have moved on and gotten over it. But here's the deal. Ivy's amazing. I think it's a great tool. And I know that they continue to evolve it, just like Dubsado, for example. Dubsado is continuing. Another thing, actually, I should elaborate. Dubsado is also adding scheduling features so that things that Calendly and um, Visita do will be able to be done within Dubsado, which means I'm going to cancel Visita and have everything in one place and it's going to make it amazing. Okay, so for Ivy, I use Ivy, the way I look at Ivy is it's a purchasing tool. And it's how I make my purchasing so much more efficient. And what that looks like for me is I literally just keep it for solely focused for me until it improves in other areas. That's what it does for me, which means I have a presentation with a client. I have all of the items that they may have verbally approved already. I put them all into one proposal, uh, which then gets emailed. Everybody knows about this tool, but I'm just going to tell you again, in case you're not familiar. Um, and guys, just so you know, I'm going to make a list of all of these in the show notes. And I'll have links to them in case you're interested in checking them out. But anyways, you send it, you can click once they approve it, and they can toggle unapproved for certain ones, certain items. If you have a list of 10, they're approving 9 out of 10. You can set it up to do that. Once they accept it, the way I do it now is I turn that into a retainer invoice. So if the total invoice was for 15000 I turn it into a retainer invoice and I only apply it to each individual invoice as items are purchased because sometimes a price might vary based on when I order it or shipping, all that good stuff. But what's great about it is after it's approved, you literally with the click of one button, you go create purchase orders and it spits out the purchase orders by vendor, which you've already pre-populated into your system. And then all you need to do is go to purchase, your purchase orders tabs, click on the purchase order for say, RenWool, click it, review it, make sure everything is in there that you want it to be in there. You, you click send, it's going to email it right to RenWool, and then you're off to the races. It also allows you to click um, you know, the estimated delivery date uh, so that you can be on top of that. It emails you Uh, into your inbox when a delivery date is is kind of due. So you know, you can never forget a single thing. It's, it's pretty great. Um, I don't think I have much more to say about it. Other than that, I mean, it's a very elaborate tool. It's very, very awesome. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out and even giving it a test if you want. I think there's a, a, a trial period I can't remember. But At the end of the day, I figure even if there is no trial period, just invest the whatever it is, seventy bucks a month, to just give it a try. And I mean, seventy bucks a month isn't a huge amount to test something out and see if it works and makes your life way easier. Um, So no, this is not a free tool. Neither is Dub Soto. Aside from that, though, everything else is a free tool. But I wouldn't. uh, When it comes to paying for something, I find it very easy to rationalize. If it makes my life easier and it's less than hundred dollars, it's very easy to make that up with one client. All right, guys, productivity hack number six, templates. I basically create templates for everything. So Asana, so Asana is kind of part of my product of this productivity hack. So for those of you who are not aware, Asana is a project man- task project management tool. And I do not pay any money for it. It's completely free. So what I have done is created a series of projects within Asana. So if you pay for the tool, you can create templates that you can use. But because I don't pay for it, I created a little hack to get around it. And basically what that looks like is, I create a project and I I name it template slash podcast, template slash client, template slash installation day, template slash blog post, template slash kickoff. So these are all checklists for varying um, things that I do in my business. The biggest one is client, which really is, if I'm being honest, lead to client. So basically what this does is, it is a checklist of every single thing I need to do from the moment a person inquires all the way through to the very end of the life cycle. And all I have to do is, and, and literally guys, it took me a good couple hours to put this together and it gets, and it's, it's always sitting there ready for me to add to it. And the, the key is to just start and build out a checklist And to just tweak it as you go, because you're never going to get it right the first time. You just got to keep adding to it. And for me, what I've done is uh, basically I have it sitting in my Asana. When something comes up, I think, oh, man, I should have done that for before the installation. I need to remember that for next time. It's as simple as opening my Asana, clicking on the template, scrolling to whatever section it needs to be in and adding it. And now going forward, you never have to worry about it again. But once you have your template, all you got to do is copy project, rename it for the lead. And then basically, you start going through. So I'm going to give you some examples of varying tasks that would appear um, in in this in this template. So I have headers. So discovery call is a header header, client intake is a header, step one consultation. So basically, my 10 step process so Kimberly Selden's 15 step process I have dwindled to my 10 step process so I've used the concept but made it my own but I use that framework to create this checklist of more uh, you know granular tasks for each section so step one everything I need to do in the consultation including things like how do I prepare for the consultation what do I need to bring and uh, so for example in the discovery call, um, I what am I saying here? So I, I add the client to my my manual lead tracker. So I like to track my conversion rate. So I have a manual lead tracker that I input the client into I also give the client a docket number. So for example, my docket numbers MB 000100-18 for the year. And all that means is that code is what I use anywhere I so on my email, on my desktop Um, in my Google Drive, so that it's consistent everywhere. And I don't have to worry about what I named it. And that's where kind of the, you know, the master list of all my dockets are kept. Um, And, you know, things like, you know, before we get on our call, I need to establish the dates for the consultation. So I'm ready to tell them what dates I have available. If they've opted into my um, email, then I might add them to my email. Or if I don't do it right away, This is where I go look to see if I need to add them on Sundays when I do my planning. But it's basically things like that. And it's very granular, guys. It's probably a good hundred tasks. But it's like you can never remember to do this every time. So all you got to do is make your master list and create a task or create a a template. Um, I also have a template for in my Google Drive. So uh, I have a, a template for my flat fees. So I often get people asking like, what should I charge for this project? And the truth is nobody can tell you because nobody works the same way. What you need to do is use the list of the tasks that need to happen on any given project and create yourself a template that you can copy every time you have a new lead and you can use to, to create uh, and estimate the number of hours. So I have a template that basically is broken up and this has changed. It involves literally pretty much with every single project proposal that I do because it's a constant improvement every time. So I'm two year, two and a half years into my business guys and I'm still tweaking it. So like you just, you just got to like gear down bear down, gear down, don't think any of these things are actually sayings. But you just got to sit down and do it. It's there's nothing anybody can do to tell you, you need to sit down and create yourself a spreadsheet that then you can use regularly because you do not want to do this every time. And this is probably takes me a good two to three hours to really flush this out and make it so that when I input numbers into it, it actually flushes out a number for me. I have it set up too. Uh, And when you start realizing how clients want their information based, because the, the, the truth is how clients want information varies from client to client, but also designer to designer. And I suspect that has a lot to do with how designers deliver information. So what works for me may not work for you, but I know that I don't have the highest budget clients like a lot of designers that I admire sure, I believe I will get there. And I know it's going to happen. But right now, I don't. So I know that sometimes clients want the ability to, uh, for me to send them a proposal revised with rooms removed. So I strategically made my spreadsheet, one that allow that's by room that I can easily remove rooms and, um, and spit out a new number if I need to tweak it quickly. So Basically, everything's a template, guys. I have a template for my estimated budget for clients um, for furnishings. Uh, I have a template for, like I said, in Dubsado for every email, uh, for my proposal. Uh, You really should not be starting from scratch at any point in time. Look at your business and think about anything that you do over and over again and either automate it or turn it into a template that you continue to improve upon. Uh, but proposals for me take forever. And if I can figure out a way to quickly give uh, pull together a flat, feel, flat fee for a client with confidence, then I need to be able to do that. And my goal is that one day, like Kimberly Seldon suggested, that I will be able to use that spreadsheet to quickly input during consultation and tell them what it would cost immediately. Uh, not only is that going to help increase conversion, I'm told, But that would be the ultra in productivity. Because if I do that during the consultation, then I am not doing that one to two hours later in my week. So, so there you go. Um, but yeah, so basically everything, everything, literally everything is a template. And the biggest ones are my client lead, basically lead to client uh, checklist and my, uh, flat fee spreadsheet. All right. Productivity hack. We are home stretching it guys. Productivity hack number eight, toggle. So if you, whether you're doing flat fees or whether you're doing billable hours, you got to track your hours, no matter what, uh, for me toggle, I really like it. It's free. Again, I'm not paying to use it, but what's so awesome about it is that it, well, you can create clients in it. You can create projects and you can create tags. So I'm going to tell you a little bit and why are the tags important. So I'm the master of overcomplicating. So I had to go in and try to simplify this a little bit for myself. But um, here's what I do. I generally speaking, I'm calling my uh, when somebody pays for a certain number of hours, uh, it's a time block. So if somebody has paid for a time block, then I wanna make sure I click, uh, I tag it that time block. And if they're in phase one, I wanna tag it phase one. I might also want to tag, I have, I'm gonna go through these. I have billable, build, time block one, time block two, time block three, mostly because after somebody purchases one time block and we go through that and finish it, they're probably gonna purchase a second time block. So I need more than one time block in order to differentiate those time blocks from each other, then I have phase one, phase two, phase three, four plan elevations, presentation, proposal, purchasing, refinements, sourcing, consultation, and so on and so forth. The rest I won't go through. Those are the main ones. Basically, I've tried to keep it as simple as possible. But knowing that I really should be, I should know how long it took me to do my floor plans, I should know how long it took me to source I should know how long it generally takes me to do refinements, so that I can know for next time and make sure that when I'm estimating that time for future projects, I'm getting better and better at it. But what's great is then using those tags, you can do reports. So what I do is I bill at the beginning of every month. And what I do is if anybody is basically in a billable situation, which is somewhat rare, but if someone's in a billable situation, all I have to do is click on reports, click last month because normally, like for example, I normally would bill for last month now and I will click the tag billable. From there, I'm gonna see that there's maybe two clients that are billable and then I can, I can then refine it based on the client and then I can just do a quick scan, make sure all of that makes sense. I can then create an invoice for that and then what I would do is I would change billable that was originally tagged billable to build so that I know I never have to wonder did I actually charge for that time? So the key there is to unclick billable and change the tag to build once I've actually billed. But anyways, it's the same thing for all of the varying set categories, but for you, you can just think about what makes sense and you can keep it even simpler than this if you want. Uh, I'm probably gonna try to simplify even more, but this is really great for me to kind of get an understanding of how much time is spent at various various phases and uh, it allows me, I, every single week I do track my hours to see uh, what I'm looking like in relation to what I estimated and what has been paid for. So there you go, there's toggle for you. Number nine, Wakora. So I'm, you know what, yes, there's a lot of tools. This, this does mean that clients are seeing three different things, Dubsado to start, Ivy than wakora and it it's not ideal i'm not gonna lie but i have yet to find a system that does everything i need in one so it kind of is what it is right now wakora is good if you're doing things like um e-design uh my doma is great for e-design as well if you're a heavy e-designer uh do a lot of e-design i highly recommend my doma but um because I already use Ivy, it doesn't make sense for me to use MyDOMA. But depending on the client, I might put all of the selections into Wakora for us to have a conversation back and forth. But to be honest, the biggest thing that Wakora has been good for for me is my style survey. So my style survey, so I used to use Typeform. So I realized that I needed to create a very intensive style survey in order to get to know my client's um, you know what they like, what they don't like, in addition to basically uh, our, any conversations that we might have. And it's been really great, but uh, it just hasn't really, I haven't been able to nail it. So I knew I needed to elaborate. So Wakora is great. So what I did was I created a template. So it's a Wakora board template. And it basically, I'm gonna actually log in right now, guys, to tell you all of the things that it includes. But it, what's great about doing it this way, because I used to do it again in, in uh, type form, but I moved it into Wakora because Wakora allows you to have a conversation back and forth about any given image that you post or what have you. Not to mention, when I copy the template for a specific client, I can customize it to be a little bit more catered to the project. I can delete questions that are completely irrelevant. I can add more inspiration to the template that I already have that is maybe more catered to them, which is not something that I can do in type form. It's just kind of is what it is and you gotta go from there. So basically the the survey starts by saying, I would describe my style ads and they have three images that they can click, thumbs up or thumbs down and they can elaborate. And I basically tell them to elaborate where they can. Then I go on to say, when it comes to furniture and home decor, I believe that less is more, balance is better, more is more. Uh, Then I have a list of a bunch of retailers. What stores are you most drawn to for furniture and accessories? They can check and uncheck, or sorry, that's a lie, thumbs up, thumbs down, any of the ones in here. Again, it helps me understand where they like to shop uh, and their style. Then I have which living room, which living rooms are you most drawn to? And I really tried to get an eclectic, um, collection. Also an ele- eclectic collection of things that I feel like I can handle too. Cause there's certain, I don't do farmhouse. And so I don't even have farmhouse on, on my list here. Hopefully by this point, they kind of know that I'm the type of designer that can deliver what they want. So it's, it's mostly within my wheelhouse to some degree. Um, I ask questions like, Hey, do you like, cowhide rugs? Are you into leather? These are things that we need to know. Uh, A series of sofas that I want them to tell me which they like and elaborate on what they like and don't like. What What are your thoughts on color in a room? And then I have all the colors they can pick from. What colors do you like? What colors do you hate? What do you feel about pattern? Which patterns are you most drawn to? But again, the key here is that it's not just that they can click what they like and don't like, they can elaborate. So they can say, you know, if, if I start to notice inconsistencies, like you like this, but yet up above, you said that you liked really minimal designs, but this isn't minimal. Can you elaborate? And you can have a conversation back and forth guys. It's so good. It's amazing. Um, and to be honest at this point, the, the sheer style survey alone is pretty much the biggest reason why I wouldn't get rid of this tool I'm going to also create a style survey for phase three finishing touches so that I can get a, a bit more of a feel for what they like and don't like in um, accessorizing. Uh, but it's been a great tool. But again, it's also something that you can actually post all your selections in and they can create a conversation and a dialogue back and forth about that. Um, okay, so productivity hack, my very last one is loom. And loom, if you go to use is what I use if I need to respond to an email, to a Facebook, uh, in my Facebook group, it's, I very commonly use it. Uh, sometimes people ask questions or I send a proposal for something where I feel like if I'm not hopping on a phone call with them, I think a little bit of an additional explanation via video would be best. And this is, again, a free tool. You just literally click on a button that's a widget in your browser, and it allows you to record your screen, your PowerPoint presentation, whatever, what have you. And you can basically just verbally, you can have a picture of your face while you're talking, or you can delete that. But basically, you can um, you can just do a quick video and share it with uh, the, the person. So for me, I do it a lot in my Facebook group. So when you know, if I want to respond without maybe doing a Facebook live, then I might do my email response that way, or sorry, my, my video response that way. Cause it's super quick. And sometimes I just think typing things up by the time I try to edit and make sure that it makes sense. I could have just said it and it'd be quicker. So there you go, guys. That is my 10 productivity hacks. I'm going to go through them quickly. One more time. Number one, Sunday planning. Number two, calendar blocking. Number three, waking up earlier four, recur post, five, dubsato, seven, ivy, S- whoa, wait, sorry, six, ivy, I might have screwed up my, my numbering earlier because I screwed up my numbering on my pages here, seven, templates, creating templates, eight, toggle, nine, wakora, ten, loom, there you go. I did a call for homie hacks in my Facebook group, business homies, so here are three homie hacks for you all to enjoy. Number one, Work for 25 minutes and rest for five minutes is my favorite. Number two, do scary tasks first in the morning. Agree, my hack number three. Uh, Number three, have some plans in the evening that are not work-related, meetings, sports. In this way, I'm way more productive as my deadline is set. All right, let's see. Becky, get dressed. Nothing is more tempting than a nap when you're still in your PJs. Minimizing distractions goes beyond having the TV off and avoiding Facebook. A quality chair works wonders for keeping your focus and comfortable enough to do to go and go and go for hours. Listening to business podcasts, specifically geared towards designers, keeps my mind on the goal. Oh, hello, business homies! Poops. Uh, checklists. This might be the most important one. I make a checklist at the end of every workday for everything that I need to work on tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then when I wake up, I can look at it and know immediately how I need to spend my day. I also start the things that are absolute priorities and cannot be pushed back another day. Making this list at the end of my days helps me to walk away from my desk knowing I'm not forgetting something and truly detach from my work so I can give my full attention to my family. I used to keep a pad and pen next to my bed in case I'd think of things as I was trying to fall asleep. But now I make these lists at five or six and my mind isn't racing at night anymore. Well, I freaking love that. Uh, Rebecca set top three things I want to accomplish so that so that are number one. When I make a dump list, it gets a bit overwhelming. So the above is a different list. Thank you, Ada, Rebecca and Becky so much for those wicked tips. And I hope they're helpful to the listeners. All right, guys, so if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And you know what, also leave a review. I'm, you know, Please do me a favor, see if you can leave a review. If it doesn't show up, maybe do a little digging to see why it didn't because I do keep hearing that reviews are being posted, but they're not showing up, which is very heartbreaking to me. Um, but basically, like I said before, I'm going to say it again, I want you to review and subscribe because I want you to help me get to my trifecta goal, which is to talk to three of my design heroes. Number one, Studio McGee. Number two, Amber Interiors. Number three, Larkin Linen. And you guys can help because by subscribing and reviewing and sharing with your friends, uh then it'll be more likely that they'll want to talk to me if there's actually a listener base. So that would be amazing. If you want to read up on the show notes, you can go to businesshomies.com slash zero one two for episode 12. Because we're on episode 12 already, which is crazy. If you want to follow along my journey, go to Facebook, search Business Homies. It's my Facebook group where I try to go live most weeks. uh, And I just share the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and the downs, everything that's going on. And I hope that it will inspire and help anybody else who is also starting a business. And there you go. That's it, guys. That's all I got for you this week. I hope that was helpful. If you, additionally, if you have a productivity hack, I would love it if you would share it in my Facebook group on the uh, link to this podcast episode. So please let me know if you have an amazing productivity hack that you would like to share. Otherwise, guys. That's all for this week, bye homies.